Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook. Salut tout le monde, hey everybody, welcome back, we've been together so many times, at late night, late night sessions, it's been fun, tonight unfortunately no win, but a lot of cool stories, Jonathan Drouin's first goal, oh so happy for Jonathan, and also Nick Suzuki scoring a goal, and hey, Team Tank has to be really happy with this one. So, I am Marc Dumont, I am your host for Game Over Montreal, and we have a great guest, one of our favorite people on the show, uh, Yann Boivaya, will be joining us in just a moment from Build, uh, the Build podcast. No, sorry, did I actually get that right? Well, well, we'll clear it up, sorry. I've been up for way too long, so I'm a little bit tired. All right, before we get into it, we're just going to do a quick ad copy, but I want to say hello to everyone in the chat, and I see people that have stayed up really, really late for the last few games, last three games, so shout out to all of you. Uh, I'm impressed. I'm very impressed. Those are the, the diehard fans. So shout out to everyone in the chat and we'll get to all your questions in just one moment. But for now, let's get to our ad copy. Want to bet? You can do it on at Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook. The hockey season's well underway. You got uh, pitchers and catchers reporting to Dundon and we have obviously soccer season full-fledged going on right now. So you can bet pregame live in play and there's also a ton of prop bets made for canadians by canadians sports interaction makes it easy to deposit play and cash out join now and see all sports betting has to offer head to sportsinteraction.com sdpn that's sportsinteraction.com sdpn ontario only 19 plus please play responsibly all right without further ado the man the myth the legend ian Boivai, how's it going buddy um tired but we're we're pulling we're pulling this one together how are you mark i i i can't stay up as late as i used to when i was 19 i've realized <laughs> that um you know it's i used to be able to power through these things but now i'm planning naps for the rest of the week so <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah um Hey, a lot to talk about for the deadline because I feel like people are disappointed, but then there was some logic to why not much happened. We'll get into that in just one moment. Let's talk about Jonathan Drouin. Man, I was just so happy to see him happy. It, it kind of melts my heart. And I know a lot of people are like, ah, oh, you know, stop, stop, stop waxing poetic about him. But it, it's good to see him happy, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's, you know, we talk a lot about, you know, redemption narratives in sports and, Drank seems like the kind of guy who's who's very much earned that redemption narrative in the sense that a lot of times it's it's people who do you know pretty brutal stuff who end up getting those. Yeah, Drank was a was a victim of circumstance in Montreal throughout his entire time. He was billed as something he was never going to be, um, you know, to, through no fault of his own. No, um, you know, he he's dealt with his own mental health issues, which you know to do so so publicly, um, you know. In, in such a large market um, is already difficult. Every time something cool happens with Jonathan Dwayne, it's, it's, it's really, really fun. Um, it was nice to see the team get really excited they for him. Happier. They're all pounding the boards. Yeah, it was yeah. nuts. Um, and speaking of that, I mean, you know, I, I, no one really had, had been mentioning this, but John, uh, John Gibson on that goal, I, I think he took that puck um, in the athletic cup. And I think that's what allowed oh. that goal to happen. Right in the so cojones. Oh, yeah. yeah, it was it was very like like watching the Canadians have this heartwarming moment about Jonathan Druin, and then there's a guy like writhing in pain on the ground because he <laughs> took one of the stones. Like it was it was very much like you know if you had to bottle up what like lottery hockey looks like yeah. after the trade deadline, it's this. <laughs> it's, it was the entire game, but yeah, but foot hockey puck to the groin had a hockey puck to the groin. You know that's why I'm voting <laughs> yeah. for that movie. If he moves on, 
And I mean, I, I'd actually, I don't, I think I've asked you this already. I'd be open to re-signing him, but I think it's best for all for Jonathan Dwayne to move on, most likely get a fresh start. It, 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 do you feel like this little redemption arc, because he's the Canadian's top scorer, points per 60 since January. He's looked good since he's come back, let's admit it. Yeah. Do you feel like this will kind of change the, put a final coat, a fresh coat on that rusty story that is Jonathan Drouin, you know, kind of let him leave on a bit of a high? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think on a team that's that's far more complete, um, you you could really benefit from a guy like him playing like a, you know, in a pinch, a second line role, but really a third line mm-hmm. kind of, you know, depth offensive option, um, you know, second wave power play, maybe even first wave power play, depending on how good your power play is. Um, I, I, I really hope so. You know, it's just it's another instance of just rooting for the guy. Yes. We're rooting for dudes out here. And, and that's a dude that I'm always going to be pulling for. I was never you know, the trade wasn't his fault. None of this was really his fault. Um, it's it's nice to see him get rewarded. I I hope that his NHL journey is not over after this season. Well, I mean, looking around the league, just for as you mentioned earlier, there's been other not so fun redemption stories in, in, in the NHL. Yeah. So hopefully, you know, given that he's such a good guy, uh, he'll definitely get his. So um, shout out to everyone, Trizak. He's in our chat again, and or here, sorry, they're in our chat again, and um, been in the chat for the last five lives. So shout out to, to Trizak, who's always, always here. We have Vincent's back too, and also Alan is watching from St. John's, Newfoundland. So eyes the bye who be streaming into St. John's. And the Habs guys here saying, gross game as well. Okay, well, it was a big game tonight for the tank, right? I mean, this must be a little more encouraging for people that are saying like, oh, the Habs are going to do real good. There is a bit of a reality check setting in for the Canadians right now, isn't there? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, there's been a lot of argument as of late with regards to the tank and, and you know, the, the role that goaltending is playing in that. Um, you know, last year, the Canadians could not buy a save. That's not really the, um, the, the issue this year. Um, I think I read coming into this game, Montreal, the only two teams with two goalies in the top 20. Yeah, with, what was it, expected, uh, goals saved above expected yeah. is Montreal and Boston. Like, it's good company to be in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I thought, well, I think it was the, I can't remember what game it was. It wasn't the last game for Jake Allen, but the previous one, where I think he made a ton of saves. A lot of pucks hit him, but he didn't seem confident the entire time. Yeah. Um, like it just seems like, you know, puck was hitting him and then he was trying to figure out what to do after that. Um, they don't ask how they ask how many, but yeah, exactly. with, with regards to the tank, like, you know, it's, it's something that I think I said this last time I came on and Kent Hughes has said it in the past as well. Wins only help to a certain extent and losses only help to a certain extent. Right. Like, yeah. I don't think that getting as much youth into this lineup as we've seen this year was going to see the Canadians bottom out like they did last year. And, it's it teams can try to be bad all they want there's a lot of teams trying to be bad this year the canadians last year were not trying to be bad they were just they ended up being bad yeah 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 (laughs) bad bad on accident is like it's far worse than bad on purpose because oftentimes (laughs) it's it's expensive and bad on accident and that's what the canadians still are honestly I mean, nobody saw Montembeau come into it, but I feel like they're, you know, he he's the reason here. When we look at that goal save above average, Allen's, if you include all situations, he's in there. But if you go just five on five, Montembeau just jumps to the front of the pack. And as much as people are saying, okay, he's stolen, according to Sport Logic, five games this year, which is 10 points in the standings. And that's a lot. 
But mm -hmm. if we put that negativity past us, that he cost or he, he cost them gain wins, uh, or you know that he, he led to wins. Montembeau has been just a fantastic story for the Montreal Canadiens. Do you feel like he's not getting enough credit here because of the tank? I think league-wide, um, probably not getting that, you know, his flowers just because, you know, no one's looking at a tanking team, you know, and they're, they're, they're goaltending as a, as a positive story. I think a lot of fans are, were kind of conditioned to expect the worst coming, you know, the, the, you know, we're about to fall off a cliff kind of mentality. Yeah where I think a lot of fans are expecting him to turn back into a pumpkin relatively soon. That remains to be seen. Who knows, right? Like, I, if you told me that he was going to play like this this season, I wouldn't have believed you. I would have lost so much money in Vegas and right. in an arrogant <laughs> manner. <They're> like, right. <laughs> like, I would have rented a top hat and a cane to go pick up my money there, you know? Like, yeah, yeah, no one saw this right. coming. No, so I, I don't know what to expect moving forward. I think the Canadians are playing this pretty well. Yeah. Um, he's, he's under contract again for another season. And then I think he's still an RFA. I think he's still an I RFA. I believe so point. as well. And it's $1 million. Yeah. It's, it's nothing. So at that point you can decide, you know, do we want to extend him? Is yeah. he still playing this way on January 1st of next year? That, that sort of would be a good, um, you know, litmus test for me anyway, to see like, is it worth extending this guy? Is he, not a long-term option in net. Like, I'm not saying he's the next franchise goalie. I think oh. we talked about this last time. The Canadians probably don't have one. Um, but he's he's a – he for right now, and if he continues to play this way, he is a quality starting goaltender in the National Hockey League. Absolutely. Uh, there's no denying it. And it goes to show how little we know about goaltenders as well, right? We talk about peaks, but goaltending statistically – uh, you know, they're closer to 28, 29 where they peak, which is where we thought yeah. all athletes peak. But that is absolutely not true. Okay, tonight we saw um, uh, two lines in particular I want to talk about. Raphael Harvey-Pinard and Josh Anderson looked really good together. Um, it, it, there seems to be a common theme here. He, obviously, Drouin was on that line, but wherever Raphael Harvey-Pinard plays the line does good statistically. When he was on the top line, their numbers went through the roof. Fourth line, through the roof. Second line, through the roof. Do we have a Gallagher situation from five years ago where, where maybe this guy, not obviously, we don't think he's going to become a first-line player, but maybe he's like a Gallagher light for a, a cheat code for uh, Martin Saint-Louis? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, we talk about how this team needs to acquire more, you know, top-end talent. While that's true, mm -hmm. Um, you know, it could save them a lot of assets in the future if they have that sort of middle offensive to, to depth offensive talent. Um, you know, think of think of just this deadline, the amount of draft capital that teams were spending on guys who were going to play third or fourth line minutes. Oh, yeah. Well, if you have a guy like Raphael Harvey Pinard, if you have guys like, you know, um, Jesse Ullinen possibly playing in a role like that in the future, you don't need to go out and acquire any of those things. You already have them. And um, that's what your system you know, should produce as well, right? Like it should save yeah. you from having to spend there. You'd hope. I mean, that hasn't been the case for in Montreal Jake for a Evans. very long time. Just Jake Evans. That's it. That's yeah, all. just him. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I, more so than just looking at the, you know, the numbers jumping off the page for, for Avi Pinard, he's also just a joy to watch. Like that's oftentimes like there's yeah. a very, there's a large disconnect between players who are analytically, you know, very strong. Yeah. And, and players relatable. Who, 
Right. Like Josh Anderson is, is like the, the opposite of that. Where like he's fun visually. Yeah. He's super fun watching go North South. It reminds me of like Eric Cole when he was in Montreal, like just, I'm just going to put my shoulder down and go to the net. Um, You know, Harvey Bernard seems to be hitting both of those, those sort of tests, the eye tests and whatever we see on paper. Um, I'm excited to see, you know, over the, the, the last stretch of this season, how he continues to develop. Can he continue to play at this sort of, um, I don't want to say pace because that seems, you know, contingent on production. And it really isn't. It's just contingent on like, how is he generating chances? He seems to be generating a ton from the slot. He always seems to be hanging around there. Um, yeah, it's just another, it's a very nice success story to have um, for the Canadians this year. And so there's Gurianov, who's kind of on an audition for the rest of the season. I think it's going fairly well. We've seen that. There's obviously Rafael Arvipinal. There's a lot in play for him, too. It's not just like a fun story. He he wants to make the NHL. Yeah. There's someone that um, Montreal MUFC mentioned. Um, I hope that doesn't stand for Man United, because this is an Arsenal stream only. But um, <laughs> what about Jesse Yulunen, as you talked about? I, I have to admit, I, I'm not convinced by him. Like, today was probably not his best game, but I feel like his overall engagement since the first couple games has gone down consistently. His numbers are not good, but I'm not worried about that. It's on a bad team. I'm just wondering, is he doing enough to, to really merit an extended audition here? Yeah, it's tough, especially because you know, you know, we know that Sean Farrell is probably going to be joining this team at some point, you know, before the end of the season. Last two games, yeah. There are, there are guys who are going to be coming at, next season up front guys are just going to start getting healthier. It seems like this was a prime opportunity to, to get a lot out of Yessi Ullinen. And, you know, it, he has been a little disappointing, especially because the rest of that Laval line, you know, Belzeal and, and Pazetta, yeah. you know, they're, they're playing a brand of hockey. That's very visibly, um, you know, mm-hmm. there's a, there's a lot of visible effort. Yeah. Oftentimes, you know, when you see a player of those kind of caliber, you know, working hard, it's because they have to, right? Like, this is a, it's a fast league. Those are guys who are, you know, sort of tweeners between the AHL and the NHL. But they are putting in, yep. you know, the effort that they want to be here. They want to be in Montreal. And I'm not saying that Ulanen doesn't, but, you know, it's tough. It's t- The numbers aren't looking all that great. But aside from that, because they don't, that doesn't really matter, it, he's not doing stuff on a nightly basis that I'm like, ah, I'm going to remember that Ulanen play tomorrow. Like, I, I can't remember a shift of his tonight, well, the honestly. First, the, the first few games, there was five or ten shifts that you remember. Yeah. Yep. You know, I feel yep. like that's the drop-off there. But, again, it's so hard to judge players on a bad team. You know what I mean? Yeah. When, when people were doing the analysis on Kirby Doc, and listen, I love underlying numbers, analytics, big-time nerd, but when you just show me a chart and say he's a bad player because he did bad in this situation, I, I look and I say, okay, well, what was the situation? You know what I mean? Like it's it's a, yeah. always much more difficult to shine when uh, you're you're you know you're in the uh, well when you're in the shit there. You know what I mean? So yeah. even if he's on the top, even on second line, let's be honest. At this point, the quality of line mates is a fourth or fifth line. So I don't know what to make from you. Didn't let us know in the chat because I honestly do not know what to make from him. You have to sign him. He's an RFA. Um, but I mean, the question is, do you leave him in a spot in Laval or Montreal? Or do you try to give that ice time to, like you said, guys like Farrell? There's going to be a huge influx of talent arriving in Montreal soon. So, you know, we might see guys like Heinemann come in next year as well. So, you know, it'll be a little difficult to find space for him. But I think I want to see more. Overall, I want to see more from Yulin. Mm-hmm. 
they're saying, oh yeah, Tardif. I'm going to call him Tardif the whole time now, but it's Vincent saying he'd be good fit in Carolina. Yeah, because he's Finnish. I get it, okay? Because yeah. <laughs> he's Finnish. Okay, good question here from Winder asks, and this is a guy that comes up all the time in trade propositions, uh, proposals, sorry. Um, you might have seen him at the North e at the Beanpot. He won it for Northeastern. Let's be perfectly honest, because um, Harvard was the better team in that final. But De Devin Levi, who was a seventh round pick. I remember I put him in a list of like the halves with the guys from Quebec that they should draft. And it got edited out from my article. Nobody wanted anything to do with this guy. He's now the hottest prospect, uh, goaltender prospect outside of hockey. Would you flip a first round pick for him? The Florida's Florida's first round pick, let's say 15 to 20. Cause, cause, cause right before, before you answer, he statistically is one of the best goalies coming into hockey. Like we, we rarely see numbers like this. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I've been, you know, I put together for my own show, The Build, I'm putting together, I put together in the past a trade tier list where I'm sort of breaking down, you know, how I how I review trades. And looking at the Ben Sherratt trade, the, the idea is that, like, it's turning into a potential lottery, you know, a lottery pick. Mm -hmm. If you then take that pick and you turn that into the best goaltending prospect in hockey, I don't know that I'm necessarily all that upset with it. I mean, the Canadians have an organizational need for that sort of, Big time. Um, you know, blue chip goaltending mm -hmm. prospect. I feel like I've talked about that on every episode of this that I've done because it's just as much as the goaltending this year is surprised. It's it's not a very you know they need something that's looking at you know ten years down the line. Who who yeah. are the Canadians playing in net? It would be a tough. I mean, it would be. It's great asset management if you're the Buffalo Sabres, right? To turn a seventh round pick into <laughs> into a first round pick that's going to probably be in the top fifteen. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I it's it's a challenging one because I want that first round pick to be a pick that the Canadians actually make. Yeah. But you could you could probably talk me into it. I don't know if the package is going to necessarily be one for one, but I mean um, Buffalo doesn't want to move them. That's the other part, right? So you'd actually yeah. have to. It would be right now, I know Habs fans are like, man, that's a lot. But it would be as if a team comes to you and says, we really want Lane Hudson. You know, what, what yeah. would your reaction be to that? Even though he's a second round pick, you're, you're asking for the moon for that, right? So I think the draft yeah. value doesn't matter anymore. But that is in the back of your mind when you're thinking, I'm trading a 15th overall for a guy that went 217th or something like that. <laughs> right. uh, and right. you know what it was? It was because he's so small. The guy's like six foot two or something, six one. This obsession with size... And we saw it with the Habs, right? When they traded, uh, when they drafted Dekau, um, Dobesh, and Verbetic, all six foot nineteen, right? So, yeah. uh, I, I I don't get the obsession with size. I understand the physics of it, but uh, in this case, it went a little too far. Um, Vincent brings up a good point with Buffalo. Now that they um, traded Portillo, their goaltender that they wasn't going to sign, they're probably unlikely to. Um, to trade him, but there's a guy who the Red Wings pick actually. He's uh, it's a uh, Carter Guylander. So him and Portillo are two of the guys that I identified. I'd like going that route, the NCAA route for now. I don't know if I want to spend a pick on a, on a goalie. I in the back of my mind, goalies are so cheap, they're abundant, they're everywhere. But at the same time, there's that fear that the Canadians, you know, as cheap as they are, they don't have a good one. Which Dobesh yeah. is good, but I don't know about starter. Um yeah. and. And that might be a market that, that Kent Hughes knows particularly well. You know, he, he's all around that sort of Northeastern beanpot right. um, college market. So if there's a goaltender there that, that you know, might might have fallen off the, the radar for someone, Kent Hughes might know about him. 
Absolutely. Um, Kay brings up a good point that, it, yeah, when, when I said I don't care about size and I understand there's physics, you're absolutely right that size matters more for goalies. But the stat that matters the most is wingspan. So, for example, pa uh, not Patrick Roy, Carey Price had the w widest wingspan in the NHL for about 10 years running. He wasn't the tallest goalie. So, Devon, uh, Devon, um, Devon, I'm forgetting his name. Levi has a pretty good wingspan. He has about a wingspan of a six foot two goalie. So it's it's pretty decent. But I know what you mean. Size does matter to a certain extent there. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, Noel Noel asks, how's Berkshire's face doing? Berkshire will be back soon. Uh, surgery went well. He actually healed up really quick. But we wanted to give him some time to hang out with his kids and his wife and, you know, sleep. So uh, this was the week that we really wanted to give him off anyhow because it's the late games. But Andrew will be back next week. All right. So let's go to talking about that trade deadline. A lot of people disappointed. Some people knew it was coming. What's your overall feeling about Ken Hughes' deadline? This was kind of what I had expected from probably the beginning of February onward. Mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of people were disappointed because we – we formulated this idea of what this trade deadline was going to be for the Canadians back in like September when the Monaghan trade had just happened. Um, Dodonov's here for whatever reason, we all talked ourselves into Mike Hoffman being an incredibly, you know, valuable asset at this deadline, which is just none of those things transpired the way the Canadians wanted them to. Dodonov did not have a good season in Montreal. It was kind of all banking on him being that nearly 40 point player that he was throughout the rest of his career. He wasn't. The fact that they got a 25-year-old um, RFA forward really for him deal. is its a good deal when you consider that that's, they turned a UFA into someone they have team control over for the next few years. It's fine. Um, Monaghan was hurt. That was always the big thing with Monaghan was if yeah. he's healthy, he's going to be worth it. And some team's going to trade you know, a decent amount of draft capital for him in the, at the deadline. Well, that, that one if was the one thing that he didn't have. He had been playing great for the Canadians. Yeah. He just he, he can't stay healthy. They, they can't really do anything about that. Um, Edmondson, I, I'm convinced that, you know, if he had stayed healthy this season, he probably would be well, playing elsewhere right now. But I need to ask just, you about that. Do you believe the idea that they kept him because of leadership or because there was really nothing out there, no one out there that want, that was interested? Which one do you like? I know Kent Hughes has to say we love him as a leader. But let's be perfectly honest here. If there was a, a mm -hmm. quarter, not even half decent, a quarter decent offer, he's gone, right? Yeah, I would imagine a lot of the 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 deals, you know, probably had them taking a a, a haircut on what they would have expected yeah. for him. I don't, I don't necessarily, I don't think that that's the case. I think that that's just something you say about the player, so that you know, that's that's a very safe answer to give in that scenario. I don't think. I, I don't think that's how Kent Hughes operates, though, with the idea oh, we need this amount of leadership in our locker room. I, I think they have a captain in Nick Suzuki who's proven he can handle it. They've got veterans in there like David Savard, who's like a glue guy in that room. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that I think what this comes down to is the same thing that we saw with with Lekkonen. It's the same thing that we saw with um, Toffoli. And it's yeah. the same thing we're going to see eventually with Josh Anderson and that he has a price. If you're not going to meet it, unless he's up against the wall and he needs to make a move, he's not going to do it. Yeah. Um, you know, we looked at last year. Big time. Yeah. And, you know, as disappointing as this was from a, you know, sheer movement perspective, I, I would like to, you know, point out that this sets the Canadians up really well for next year's trade deadline. They didn't retain 
anything into next season. So there's they'll have all three of their salary retention spots. And they'll have Edmondson, Hoffman, and Pitlick, Pitlick all on expiring deals where they could be pure rentals. Yeah. So those are you, Pitlick is a playoff guy. That's a guy that someone, some team would pick up to put in their bottom four or their bottom uh, line. Maybe. Yeah. Ho- ho- <laughs> I think so. I I think that he's a guy that someone not. I, I'm not saying they're going to spend a second but round he, pick on, on Rem Pitlick. Depth option, which is usually Absolutely. easy to sell. Yeah. 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 It's it's they love loading up on guys. I mean, Toronto acquired half the league last week. Like that's just it's, it's their fourth the and pairing is going to look great in Toronto, <laughs> <laughs> right? So I think that the, I think they're set up for success going into next year's deadline. I think Edmondson, if if he stays healthy next season, um, you know, is a is a really he's he's the Sherat s kind of guy. I'm not saying that the return is going to be similar because I think teams, teams are learn kind of, better. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, I just I don't. It's disappointing. Obviously, I wanted to see some some new shiny toys come in. We didn't get it. A lot of mistakes are made on trade deadline day. I don't think Kent Hughes made any mistakes, so we're still in good shape. Shout out to Alex David back in Australia, watching us from Australia. And I'm not going to do any dumb Australian jokes. How about that? That's my gift <laughs> to you. Because anytime anyone hears anything about Australia, they put on like a South African accent and then they, they talk about <laughs> shrimp and whatnot. I'm not going to do that. Okay. So respect to Alex David watching from Brisbane right now. Okay. So you're saying they're set up well. How, what about this counter argument, which was actually brought up by Trizak? Trizak. Did Kent Hughes make the team worse for the tank? No. So it's a bad deadline. What do you think about that? What do you feel about that? I, I, I personally, I don't know how much worse you can make this team, but it's an argument. Yeah, I mean the 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 one thing that I, I I've been hearing for a long time that you know Kent Hughes needs to do to make this team worse for the tank is trade a goalie. Yeah. I don't know if anybody noticed it, but there were not a lot of goalies traded at this deadline. There was Corpusello went to LA that were moved, but that's about it. Yeah. Like the like Jonathan Peterson Quick contract and Corpusello and all that. Like, yeah, there was movement, but it wasn't for goalies that are playing. Well, quick. right. So, yeah, quick. And, and he was that whole thing was very surprising. It was surprising that he was even available. It was surprising that anybody picked him up, to be honest. Right. Um, I think that that, you know, moving a goalie is difficult midseason just because teams really just carry two. And unless one's moving out or someone's hurt for the rest of the year, they're really not going to do it. Um, you know, Jake Allen having two more years after this one at a pay raise is it might be a, a challenge 9, for some eh? teams to figure million, out. I think it goes up to or something like that. Eh? Yeah. It's not, it's not great. I, you know, Ken Hughes hasn't made a ton of, of mistakes in his time in Montreal. And I don't necessarily think that the, the, the Jake Allen extension was a mistake, but it certainly wasn't all that necessary. I don't think. Um, at a, least at that number. Unforced error to, to a certain yeah. yeah, I don't know why you were in a rush to sign him. Like I know that I know that the Canadians needed goaltending, but like he was like the, one of the first things they did last summer yeah. was like sign yeah. sign him to a two year extension. It was very odd. But I felt like that was a tank move. If I'm being honest, they're like they're seeing his right. his numbers going down and like oh with Motabo and with and Allen going into <laughs> the season, no one could have predicted that they're the ones that would have been stealing games. So let's be perfectly honest. So I feel that that yeah. backfired to a certain extent. Um, Alex, David, and Kay are doing the our jobs right now. So they're saying make sure to subscribe to uh, <laughs> the stream and like it. And also the Build podcast. So go out and make sure to check out Ian's podcast as well. I'm really good at promoting this, uh, this stream. It's my forte. <laughs> um, okay. Should the Canadians have at least tried 
for maybe uh you know getting an extra pick they still have one retained do you feel like maybe they weren't flexible enough because as you mentioned Kent Hughes sticks to his guns and I respect that but if that goes wrong that becomes that that's called hard-headedness you know that's like basically right. they're not moving off so do you feel like maybe there's a reputation that Kent Hughes is becoming a little uh he's not flexible enough in trade negotiations it's possible um I don't think at this point in time he really needs to he he hasn't I don't think he's overplayed his hand on anything just yet we may get to that point with Josh Anderson in the future. We're yeah. not there yet. He's still playing really well. You know, his, um, really well, his, yeah. and his perceived value is probably a lot higher around the league than, than, you know, fans with, you know, the, the, the blue and red charts would, 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 you know, lead you to believe. Um, <laughs> the fans with the blue and red charts. <laughs> that's all it is. It's just, they tweet a chart and that's it. Which, it's very which, frustrating. By the way, I, I like this. I was the guy tweeting charts a long time ago. Right. <laughs> and, and I totally get the value of that. But like, it's such the most frustrating thing when you're talking about all the context and you have the numbers too. And they're like, man, chart, like, look at this graph, you know, like, man, relax with your graph. You haven't watched him play for two seconds. You don't even know what he looks like. You know what I yeah. mean? Like there's gotta be anyways, I don't know what it is, but lately the chart yeah. analysis on Twitter drives me nuts. Cause, cause yeah. Kirby doc was supposed to be really bad according to chart analysis and Romanov was really good, which, right. yeah. That's my so rant. I don't think he's <laughs> sorry. I don't. I know you're good. I don't think he's overplayed his hand on anything like that. I. I. One thing I found interesting in his media availability after the the trade deadline was that, you know, they they may have had the opportunity to retain another contract and and you know, ha- fill up all three of their retention slots, yeah. but that would that would leave them, exactly. um, you know, go going into the draft mm-hmm. without the opportunity to retain, mm-hmm. which leads me to believe that maybe a Joel Edmondson or a Mike Hoffman is, is a guy that gets dealt at the draft with them retaining. They're retaining on two seasons, but it's really just one season because the calendar rolls over on July 1st. Mm-hmm. So that's a legitimate option for the Canadians at the draft. Should a team want to get a long-term rental in a Joel Edmondson or maybe Mike Hoffman? I think Joel Edmondson is probably the more realistic one. Yeah. Hoffman's um, not going anywhere. Let's be perfectly honest. There was no one. No. And, and I feel it's harsh because he's actually been better than his reputation. Yeah. Like he's kind of fallen off lately, but Hoffman almost had a redemption season and it seems like he can get no credit for it. Yeah. I mean, the only thing that you can really hope for next year is that he, his, his shooting percentage just goes through the roof. Cause I think he's, especially as of late, he's getting a lot of opportunities, especially on the power play for, mm-hmm. to unleash that one timer. And he is shooting it. He's just not, he's either, you know, not hitting the net or it's hitting the post or, you know, it's not, it's, it's just not going in for him. There, oh, okay, Kay brings up, and there was something, we'll talk about this real quick, but how long did you hold your breath when Caden Gooley, it was a just like a nothing burger of a check, but as someone that has shoulder issues, I totally know that feeling when, like, it, it basically your shoulder slips out of his socket. If he was like me, he can just die hard it back in place, but you shouldn't be doing that as a professional athlete. Are we worried about Caden Gooley here? I, I like, mean, could, I'm they just... They couldn't have brought him back if he was, like, come on, right? Not at this point. You'd, you'd hope, right? I mean... Yeah, the thing that's I think is getting a little worrisome for me is let's let's say he 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 is dealing with a shoulder thing now. Maybe it's playable, but he is he's a little banged up. That's three shoulder injuries on this team already. Like I, it's, I know at the beginning of or you know towards the end of last season, Kent Hughes was talking with the medical team about their their 
level of back injuries because there were so many back injuries yeah. across the team and they were wondering if there was something to do with their training that was causing these or not causing them but allowing them to be susceptible to back injuries mm-hmm. part of me is now wondering what are they doing about shoulders because if this is another shoulder injury like is this something that we might have to you know that they might have to explore in the future the canadians medical staff is under intense scrutiny like there's no other way to put it they've lost more man games than any other team that has ever been assembled on earth. It's a lot of it's dumb luck. Like I won't, it's injuries are bad luck, but like to have this happen two seasons in a row is kind of um, it's peculiar. It can't happen a third season. Like that, that's what we need to avoid doing, especially with so many young players coming into the lineup. Yeah. Well, I mean, especially for the shoulder, what I will say is that doctors will postpone shoulder surgery till the end like I got mine doing wrestling my shoulder surgery in high school and they postponed it for almost 10 years because it has such a wide range of motion that it's such a complicated joint that you're not sure if it'll get better like Josh Anderson said oh yeah definitely mine got stronger and I hope that's true but statistically speaking it's not gonna get stronger so shoulders are really really iffy and the same thing with backs right those are two but I get what you're saying here there has to be a level of review of the whole, um, you know, yeah. from from just the way they recover to how long they practice. There has to be something. And if I'm Jeff Molson, I spent forty million dollars this year for nothing. Like that's like that. C'est beaucoup d'argent, beaucoup bucks. Uh, forty million dollars yeah. for guys sitting in the press box. I mean, that's that's how much the Ducks or the the Coyotes play their players that are on <laughs> the ice. You know, like that yeah. is a lot, a lot of money. Um, well, hey, okay, Montreal F- MUFC says the, the, the training staff deserves or medical staff deserves to be fired. I, like, I totally get that and I understand. But how do we make that call? You know, it could yeah. just be that they're having legitimate health issues. May, at one point, if you get into the third season, like you say, then you start to review. You go all the way back to the first season. You say, okay, there's a problem. But for now, I just don't know how you can actually criticize it without knowing what right. happened. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's all—it's always kept under wraps. Like we have no idea what's going on, and because you know, sports is in this weird gray area. It's none of our business from a personal level. But you but, know, there's yeah. a lot of money wrapped up in this, and and you know, there's the NHL has rules for the you know they have to disclose if it's an upper body, lower body for a mm-hmm. reason. Yeah. Um. You know, it's 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 sticky because I'm not a doctor. I, I never plan on being one, but it is challenging to see them get this hurt this often for two straight years. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, someone in the chat asked for, I think it was Winder. Or, well, sorry, I'm I'm so tired right now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Winder was asking about the Mike Hoffman buyout options. So essentially, um, they would save about uh, $2.8 million. It's actually, he's a viable buyout option. So the first year, next year, they would save um, $3.3 million, And then it would cost them $1.6 the next year. So in total, you're saving $1.6 it's it's okay i just i think that they're not going to go that route if anything maybe armia he's a better buyout option but uh like ian said earlier kent hughes gets dead set on stuff and he wants a return on hoffman so i think he's gonna go for it all right so let's move on to post deadline and then we're gonna go through the schedule then we're gonna wrap it up because it's late everywhere and all the amazing people in the chat have been here for the last three days so I'm pretty sure they're sick of me. But let's look at post-deadline. What are you looking for from players? Who in particular do you want to see step up? Um, you know, we talked about Jesse Ullinen earlier. He seems like a guy who 
you know, this is this is this might be the last, you know, really clear audition he mm. gets at the NHL level without a ton of competition. You know, there's no I don't at least I don't think they had any healthy forwards sitting sitting tonight. They haven't in a very long time. No. Um it's it's this is this is really his time. Otherwise, like it's he's gonna need one hell of a camp next year to, to figure it out. So I'm looking at him. I'm looking at Gurianov still. Um, we've gotten a good look at him over three games, not sample size wise, but in the sense that we've kind of seen everything that we've we've expected to see. Yeah. He's a high volume shooter. He loves to, he loves to shoot the puck. He's fast, and I can already see how you know Dallas Stars fans might have been a little frustrated with it yeah. because in the first two games he was fantastic, and then in this one he kind of um, you know slipped up a little bit. He doesn't stop. He just like <laughs> if the puck goes one way, he'll take like the long way around to come back. Like I totally, yeah. I'm with you. I understand why they're like, okay, why are you doing that? But the good has outweighed the bad, right? Yeah, so those are really my two guys. I mean, it would be what nice about the defense, to see. Though? What about what about guys like Caden Gooley? Is there a certain pressure on him to actually, you know, he had a great start of the season, but the health has been a bit of an issue and, and he's producing, I mean, he scored a goal, but he's no longer on the first pairing. So you should maybe expect some better underlying numbers from Gooley, right? Yeah, and especially because, you know, we talked about this last time, since the all-star break, the defense seems like they've been given the green light to jump into the offense. Yep. Um, and that really wasn't the case when they started, which was by design. Marty St. Louis wants to build a foundation for these young players by teaching them how to do the, the little things first. And then, you know, we'll take steps forward. Yeah. Um, obviously after the all-star break, they, they decided we're going to start sending these guys on offense. <laughs> um, it, I, I want to see him. I want Yeah. I love it too. I want to see him take that jump to be offensive because at the beginning of the year, that's kind of what he said he wanted to work on. He, mm-hmm. he thought his defensive game was really strong. He said, I've really tried to work on my offense. Let's see it now that you're in a system that's going to promote that sort of offense. From the draft day, I was lucky enough. I was the first guy to talk to him on draft day. And every single interview I've had with him since 10 or 12, I've asked him, what do you want to do better? And he's offense. It's always offense. So I think that uh, the new regime, and we saw Kovacevic tonight just I mean, he got caught a few times, but he was the horses have been let yeah. out of the barn. Um, Ellen is asking any update on Jake Evans. Well, it's funny. Someone else asked me that today because he kind of got lost in the 10,000. You know, it's like, where's Waldo? Yeah. I, who knows? But there's been no update on Jake Evans. So that's a little bit odd when it comes down to legs and knees, though. Again, it's always a bit iffy. I don't think the Canadians are going to take any chances this year, you know, going down this stretch. So if Evans is even questionable, they're going to leave him off the roster. So let's take a look at March because it's already started. So the Habs lost to the Kings. They lost to the Ducks. I'm going to read you the rest of the uh, lineup here because it's it's a murderer's row of, of teams. Las Vegas, Carolina, New York, New Jersey, Colorado, Pittsburgh, Florida, Tampa, Tampa, Boston. And then it ends actually pretty okay. So you have Columbus, Buffalo, Philly, Florida. But... How many how many wins can we expect here? Like three or because I, I get the feeling that finally that strength of schedule that I've been ranting about will kick in. Yeah, no, and then even the first the last few games in April aren't great either. But the fourteen that have that are left in March, that's twenty eight points on the board. I mean, if they get, if they get, I was gonna say if they get seven, like I'm 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 elated with the performance because I just don't see. Like there's there's not a lot of room here. That there's a home and home be- with Tampa, 
that we're going essentially three weeks where the Canadians are not punching down on an opponent. Like it's, it's, <laughs> a, it's really tough sledding for, for this month. And even like Buffalo's never a tough out as much as, you know, they're going to be trying to make the playoffs. Yeah, and at Florida's that point. going to so, be fighting like hell to make the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, they've got Philly the night after a Buffalo game traveling, both of them. So maybe Montreal will, will drop that one as well. <laughs> but then you're ending the season with Toronto uh, a few days off the New York Islanders on the road and then at home against Boston the night after. So like it's, it's not, it, it's a, I don't know how they built this schedule and, and we're, we're comfortable with it. Cause they're just going to get, even if Montreal was like, was a, a far improved team. Like this, this is still, yeah. this is like, imagine like, and I'm not saying that I'd prefer them to be a bubble playoff team, but if they were, this would probably end their season. Yeah. Right. You know, absolutely. It's just, We've said this before that the like because don't forget February was supposed to be a bit of a murderer's row and Samuel Montembeau said no 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 you know yeah. so w hopefully it'll it'll work out but even if the Can I know there's been a lot of worry about the Canadians now drafting first man going up to six or seven I think I feel there's the cutoff is at seven like six you got quality seven you're getting into the questionable picks but man they're all players with first line potential. That's the, like, who, ideally, out of, let's say, out of the out of uh, the big three, we take out, we'll put Carlson in there. Who, who would you like to get after that? We're talking about Mishkov and Benson and Savoie. Who would you ideally, like, want to put your hands on? Yeah, it would be Mishkov. I right. mean, he's just, he's, like, the, the most dynamic upside left. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, you're going to have to wait three years for him. But by the time you get him, he's going to be, like, not, not only NHL ready, but he's in full stride at that point. Um, so he'd be an easy choice for me if, if he's, if he's left at, at any point, the Canadians draft, honestly, because I don't see them, you know, we're assuming they win a lottery and they move up, but if they're anywhere from, from five through seven, if he's left, he's my pick. I'd even push to move up to go grab him If, if, if there's some, yeah. if another team is afraid of the Russian factor, which like, obviously there's political reasons to be worried about it. Uh, there is no transfer agreement with the KHL, but just the idea of having that talent level. If anyone hasn't had a chance, this kid is putting up numbers that Ovechkin would have dreamed of at that age in, in the KHL. So any other year, Michkov is number one with a bullet. We're just blessed with a ton of talent here. Okay, so Brandon Yeager from Vincent. Yeah, I, I was looking. I, I like what I see from Zach Benson. I just, if the skating would be there, that would be a lot more exciting. And Will Smith, I, I love that idea because I feel like he's a playmaker version of Cole Caulfield, but you know, it's just, it's just a shame if they fall outside of the top five, it becomes a little more questionable, but inside of the top five franchise changing player. And there's very good odds. The Canadians will end up there because they have the most difficult strength of schedule as we just mentioned. All right. So we're going to go ahead and wrap it up because it's been a long day, but it's been a fun day. We see that the Montreal Canadiens are going to most likely get a good pick. And in the meantime, we get to look at guys like Rafael Harvey-Pidor having fun stories, guys like Gurianov, and hopefully, hopefully Yulinen. And just for Kay, we're just going to hope that Caden Gouli has the best, best night and wakes up feeling great in his shoulder. Once wakes up and starts to do the YMCA. Like and subscribe if you don't mind. And also, I want you to go ahead and check out my friend Ian's podcast. Tell us all about it, Ian. Yeah, so um, the build is almost 40 episodes in. I will be recording episode 40 on Saturday. Um, the goal of the podcast is to catalog um, the Canadian's 
journey to becoming a Stanley Cup winner. The idea is that the show ends when they finally do that. So whenever the Canadians win a cup, might be episode 140. It might be 340. I have I was no idea. Say, bring it up. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we are we 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 are in for a long haul here. So once that happens, it's it's over. It'll be a night. We'll put a nice little bow on it. But I don't think that's happening for a long time. So. Um, you know, it, it would mean a lot if you'd listen. I, I have a lot of fun doing it. I, I try to put a lot of uh, thought and effort into the episodes I, I produce. So that is the Build Podcast, and it can be found wherever you find your favorite podcasts. We're going to end it right now. I want to thank everyone in the chat. Alex, going all the way from Australia. We got Ellen, who's in good old Newfoundland. And uh, Noel, the podcast name, one last time. What is it, Ian? The Build. Go check it out wherever you get your favorite podcasts. That's it for me. Thanks to everyone that listened this week. Listen, I know it's it's not always easy to stay up late, especially for the Montreal Canadiens who maybe aren't going to win too many games, but I really appreciate it. Honestly, I really do appreciate it. The reason we come out and do this is because we have a ton of fun with you. So we'll see you next time. And uh, in the meantime, I just want to send out all my love to all the Habs fans out there. You are absolutely great. Salut le monde. Game over! Powered by Sports Interaction, Canada Sports.